This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Back Truck Up podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen. I'm here with just the Super Trucker Martin. And before we get started, I want to thank OTR Solutions for sponsoring this podcast. Their factory programs and solutions have taken supporting trucking companies to a whole new level. I can do a whole podcast on everything these guys bring to the table and the success stories have come from working with them. But from now, head on over to otrsolutions.com slash btu to learn more, connect with their dedicated btu team. Justin, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well, mister. It's a lovely Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we got a guest with us today, uh, Mr. Joey Cobb, and we're going to talk a little railroad. A little railroad today. Yeah, Joey, That's thanks right. for coming on. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Looking forward to it. It's going to be, uh, should be interesting to say the least. Absolutely. So uh, tell us a little about yourself, how you guys started with the rails, and what you're doing now. So uh, I started, the, the railroad was never a dream of mine. It is for a lot of people. But um, back in 2014, 2015, I met Katie. Katie was married, or Katie's, Katie's sister was married to a guy named Dusty, and he worked for a company called Road and Rail Services. And they just basically did rail maintenance on automotive uh, cars, rail cars that carry like Mercedes and Fords and stuff like that. And uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. I had just got out of the coal mines, and uh, he's like, maybe you want to work, work with us? And I said, sure. So that's where I initially started. It was 2000, early 2015, probably in February or March, I believe. And, um, you know, worked there for 10 months and, and got, you know, worked my way up and then left and wanted to go into the car man aspect of actually tearing down a real car and seeing how it's built. And, and I went work for another company called TSI where I was a car man and we did anything, uh, that dealt with a real car. We'd be changing wheels, couplers, knuckles, draft gears, any, anything with a real car. And, uh, I was there for over two years and almost, yeah, just right at two years. And that's when I left and went to Norfolk Southern as a conductor in September of 2017, where I had departed Norfolk Southern of December of 2020. Yeah, 2020. Now, that is my rail stint, rail experience in a nutshell, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it seems like it's a lot of, not just a lot of moving parts, but a lot of moving people. Like with truck drivers, we're kind of isolated. We're out on the roads. We got to be able to take care of the truck, the trailers, everything on our own, or call a roadside right. service. But with trains, you know, you're, on the tracks, you know, your nearest roadside, right. there is no such thing as roadside service out there. Yeah, so you basically right. got to bring the whole crew, crew with you. Right. Right. Um, yep. What's like the worst situation you've, you've been stuck out where, you know, you really had to figure out how to get moving again. Well, well, the, the biggest, the biggest problem we had one night, and this was on a train, this was an intermobile train actually going to Memphis from Sheffield. And we had just made it to a signal probably 20 miles outside of our yard called Old Ham. And it is a, it's a sloping downhill around a river and it goes up a big mountain. Well, we hit the wheel detector and it was saying hot wheel and it, and it was our last axle on our train. So the very rear car was a hot wheel. So we, of course we had to stop and I had to get out and I had to walk the train. I believe the train was around 
probably around six or 7,000 feet. Hmm. And uh, so I had to take off walking, you know, a mile and a half back. And, and the biggest issue that I had, and this is where my previous experience came in handy, the, the handbrake was loose. There was, there was no, the chain on the actual handbrake was loose. The brake shoe was actually rubbed up against the wheel because it was from new, I think it might have been new brake rigging or new brake shoes or maybe a new slack adjuster. But it was causing the wheel to get hot and it threw the detector off. Um, you know, the only way Wonderful things, those slack adjusters, I was gonna say, <laughs> the, the only, the only word I recognized in that whole sentence was slack adjuster. Cause we yeah, had slack like, adjuster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the slack adjuster may have been new and they maybe not have said it correctly, but thankfully my old previous job gave me the experience to get this figured out. Cause you know, the only thing I could think to do was I told the engineer to go ahead and apply the brakes and he applied the brakes and I got up there and I tightened down the handbrake as tight as I could and wrenched on it as hard as I could. And then when I popped it loose, it actually gave it just enough clearance to get it uh, off the wheel. And that took all of, it took maybe probably about an hour. I had to do it four times. Finally got it on the fourth time. And that was the worst nightmare because it really wasn't a nightmare. It was just walking a mile and a half back. You know, you're, it's two o'clock in the morning, dark. You can't see anything. You're right next to a river and it's freezing cold. And that was really the worst, worst of my extent. So the train is broke. You got to stop, right. walk a mile right. and a half to the spot to fix it, spend an right. hour fixing it, and then walk an, a mile and a half back. Yep, man. That's you can't right. just you can't just like fix it and then call the first cart and be like, yo, come pick me up. And yeah, then like, I <laughs> wish. I wish that was the case. You know, there, there is times where you can get lucky. Say if we had a local behind us that was coming through, he could have stopped and picked me up on the head end and took me up to the front. But that never happens. At least it never happened with me. <laughs> I always had to walk and I just... I just took off walking. That's what I did. And I don't mind. So it's, it sounds like it's, it's a, like in the oil fields, you know, they're the guys up there, they're called roughnecks. Um, what's like right. the term for, you know, the rail workers for you guys? I'm not sure, man. Some of the terms that, that we use down here and I, and I have actually learned some other two, uh, other terms from up north, they called them hog heads. Mm-hmm. And, but we used old heads and old that heads, was okay. the, the senior conduct, you know, senior conductors, mm-hmm. senior engineers. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the old heads. And I was fortunate to work with, a lot of them pre eighty five guys that had been there for 35, 40 plus years, and it was it was a blast. And it, they were all old heads to me. <laughs> I bet they got some crazy stories, huh? Oh man, it, it, there's a guy named Steve Southern. He's a conductor. He's still alive, and I've talked to him recently. But he used to be. I'm sure we all seen the videos and the movies where the guy that's on the back of the train hanging out to grab the paperwork. That that was what Steve did. Wow. And I was like, "There's no way." I thought that was like back in the '40s, and I was like, "No, it's just back in the '80s, you know, late '70s, early '80s is when we did that." I was like, "It's crazy to think." It's pretty Jeez. cool. That's why I always like truck drivers because you know, our it's just driver. Everybody's driver. Right. What's up, driver? How you doing, driver? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Rolls, rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. Okay, so you were with Norfolk Southern for two years. Uh, what made you give it up? Man, so when I first started, like I said, it never was a dream of mine, but when I went to Road and Rail and started working there in 2015, and Norfolk Southern's main line from Birmingham going to Meridian was right next door. They used to stop and pick up their Mercedes cars, and I used to see them on the main line all the time, and I was like, I'm going to go work for them. So I was like, that's my goal. I'm going to go work for Norfolk Southern because I know they make decent money. Road and Rail, I was making like $14 an hour. Never had a great job where I was making decent money, so I was like, I'm going to work for them. And uh, once I got out there... I remember being hired, getting my, I actually still have the emails to this day where I was given my conditional offer. Uh, we was, I was living at home with Katie and her parents. We had a, a one-year-old daughter and I was like, this is it. This is my opportunity. You know, this is everything I've worked for for the past couple of years, finally paying off. 
and I get in that life and, and uh, went to school and we got marked up and I loved it. You know, I've been in the industry for a while. I kind of knew what to expect. Um, and what really made me walk away from it was the, the amount of time that I was gone hmm. and missed yeah. my kids. And, yep. you know, truck drivers can completely relate. And, Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, it's just I was fortunate enough to where I had a lot of seniority in Sheffield. They hired so many guys in 2017, 2018, and then 2019 was really the breaking point for Norfolk Southern when they started with the furloughs. But I had so much seniority in Sheffield, I was kind of protected, but I, I had over 50 people below me, and almost 50 people. And when I decided to transfer back home to Birmingham, because I lived in Birmingham and I hired out in Sheffield, it was about two and a half hours northwest of Birmingham. And Katie and, the, and my daughter were still in Birmingham at home with her parents because she didn't want to make the move and I wasn't going to force her. And we were, you know, tough times, pers- you know, personally in that relationship. But I wanted to get back home, make things right. So when I transferred to Birmingham, uh, I lost my seniority and I had to start all over. And I transferred in October 2018. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, October 2018. And then in March of 2019 um, is when the furloughs started. And I knew that I was going to be one of them. You know, I had no seniority and I knew it was coming. And like I said, I had missed over a year and a half, almost two years of my daughter's life. And when I furloughed, when I was furloughed, working for the railroad opened up all kinds of doors that I never realized. And Newcore was that door. And and everybody, everybody was leaving and arose from Norfolk Southern and, and Decatur in Sheffield, was leaving Norfolk Southern that had been there for 10 plus years going to Newcore. And that's when it opened the door. And that's that's where I went. So these are guys that weren't even waiting to get furloughed. They just saw the writing on the wall and, and left. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Th- man, things have just in my short time out there, it was, it's just, it's so crazy to see how the morale and just how things were going. And, you know, also in the back of my head, I knew even talking to old heads that they, that I knew that the conductor position, they're going to come after it uh, just based on technology and how things are going. If you look mm-hmm. at trains across, you know, in, in mm-hmm. Europe and stuff, there's a lot of unmanned trains that are ran or one man trains. And, uh, I just, I knew it was coming, you know, I just new core. I work Monday through Friday, you know, and it's, yes. it's that's, that's what people dream of. That's what truck drivers dream of sometimes. Yeah. You know? and, I, I had that. I was there with the postal service for five years and within two years, I, uh, well, within a year I made regular within two years, right. I had a route that I was working Monday through Friday with weekends off. I started later in the day, but hey, I had my weekends. Right. Companies still don't appreciate that people would rather, you know, no matter how good you got it, if something better comes along that offers you not even a pay raise, but, you know, a pay cut even, but a better quality right. of life, people are going to take it. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's right. And that's what Nucor yeah. offered me, you know, and, and I'm not, uh, I can't say that I'm not an advocate for Nucor because I love my company I work for now. And, but I make this, I make more than I make that I made as a conductor when I first started out at Nucor working Monday through Friday, working 42 hours a week than I did mm-hmm. for Norfolk Southern. And like I said, I was on call 24 seven, always gone. And you know, it's still good money at the railroad. It is. And it's still one of those dream jobs for a lot of people. And it's still a great career. It's just, you've got to be able to look in the future and, yeah. and prepare yourselves accordingly, just mm-hmm. in case, in case crap hits the fan. One of the things I would always see when I, when I read the discourse between, um, people online about this stuff is it's not the money, you know, people right. working in the rail industry make great money, but they're right. never home. You know, if right. you're, if you're young, single, no commitments, nothing tiny down, and you don't mind putting your life on pause for, you know, up to a decade, 
and right. you know bank some money and, and squirrel it away. Great, you know you can do that right. with, with truck driving too. But it's you know people go into this to have families and commitments and stuff, and it's just I, first of all I couldn't believe that you guys never got paid sick leave. Right, that's right. You know, never, never once. And, you know, even when I was there in 2017 in the last contract, and now there's no paid sick leave. That's one of the things I was uh, paying attention to going through the whole, uh, watching the whole neg- negotiation process. Right, it was like no sick sick leave if you. If you're going to call out sick, file file for a FEMLA, you know, Family Medical yep. Leave Act. Yep, yep. That's that's, that's what uh, that's what guys did. And see, in the Postal Service, people abused FMLA left and right, right. because we right. had such a generous leave policy already. But mm-hmm. it was more of a pain in the ass to try and fight somebody that was filing for FMLA and, and abusing it than it was to just give it to them. You know, we had right. plenty, of, they, they hate using the term, but we'd say bodies, you know, we have plenty of bodies right. to cover this route or plenty of bodies to cover, you know, this or that they prefer yeah. people now, but you know, that was the term right. they always use. <laughs> yeah. And right. I, from what I've been reading, like that's just not the case with, with rail. Was that always the case now? Or was it also before COVID too? So I, th- I think, like I said, I can't speak cause I haven't, I haven't, I wasn't in that life during COVID and after COVID, but mm-hmm. fortunately I had the channel, so I got to talk to a lot of people. But in 2017 and 18 and 19, a lot of the workers would use FMLA to get off. And like you said, people did abuse it. It's just, that's just the nature of the game because you never spend time with your family mm-hmm. and you know, you, you have to go to the doctor. So a lot of times engineers and conductors both would file FMLA and they'd go to a lake or something with their family. And it's, it got to the point, and this is really hearsay, I bet a lot of people can vouch for this. And and it got to the point to where the company officials are actually investigating and watching people take an FMLA. And that's how bad it got. Good luck because because there's articles out there of companies completely unrelated to this, you know, office workers that abuse FMLA, they get caught, nothing happens to them because it's next to impossible to fight these things. Yeah, man, that's federal, you know, so Mm -hmm. what, what can you do? And I think the argument that a lot of the engineers were making is they're probably just trying to get some type of documentation and a paper trail for whenever they do pull you out of service. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be for, you know, abusing FMLA, but it's going to be to say, well, you also abused FMLA while you were missed so many certain days. In yeah. They're just, they're giving you enough rope yeah. to hang yourself. Right. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and I think in 2019 after, after the mass furloughs happened, uh, I'm sure FMLA and stuff got worse. And then that's when the horrible attendance policies came because they laid off over yeah. 20% of the workforce. So the, the the layoffs is interesting to me because like they wasted no time whatsoever. It's like as soon no. as as soon as it seemed like things were getting rocky, like they just immediately furloughed everything. Airlines right. is the exact same thing, which is why yep. air travel is such a mess right now. They're they're short on right. pilots because they furloughed everybody, and then lo and behold, there's a big rush of everyone. You know, who who would know that when you lock people in their houses for six months or a year, that <laughs> yeah. you start lifting the lockdowns, people yeah, want to travel. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Norfolk Southerns. I have a theory as to why Norfolk Southern did what they did. I don't know if it's true, and I'm sure they'll never admit it. But, but you know, this whole PSR scheme, I'm sure y'all have heard this term. PSR stands for Precision Scheduled Railroading. It was It's just a strategy. Uh-huh. A rail, railroad strategy that a man named Hunter Harrison, which was a CEO of CSX, came up with. He was CEO and, and worked for a lot of other companies before CSX. But um, PSR was this big, giant deal, and Wall Street had just really bought into it. And I remember the day that uh, Hunter Harrison died. I was actually in Chattanooga and NS called it clean sheet was what they originally called it. And that was their version of PSR. And this came out in 20, they started talking about that in late 2018. 
And so my theory really is, is, you know, it's all about fooling Wall Street. How can, how can you, how can you pull, how can a company CEO prove to Wall Street that they're saving money or going to save a lot of money? And my theory is this. In 2016 and 17, when I was hired in, they bought into Hunter Harrison's PSR scheme. They're going to make it their own. So what they're going to do is they're going to overhire like crazy for 16, 17, 18. And then when they implement PSR, they can slash workers and cut over 20-something percent of their workforce at, at all at once or within, you know, just a couple months. And then can say, oh, look, look what clean sheet and PSR is doing for our company. It's saving mm-hmm. so much. And then you had COVID come in, and that's when they doubled down and laid off another 8 to 9%, according to the uh, STB uh, with Oberman. And so it was, it was over 30% of their workforce. And that was my theory behind all that. And, and like Oberman said, you doubled down and took a chance instead of giving yourself a cushion in case there was a spike in the industry, you just you just wanted short term profits instead of looking long term, and and that was, it was just it was a mess, man. It was just it got real bad real quick. Is there a chance that this could backfire on them? Because now we're seeing the opposite case where yeah. now there's there's more demand than there are workers for right. you know the work that needs to be done, and you know it's it's a, it's all a mess right now. It is, and, and and actually I was asked this question from a guy on my YouTube channel. And I try not to talk politics, and, and I'll just be really brief here also. There is a chance that it could backfire. And, and the reason being is is just based on what has happened with inflation and stuff with our previous administration. Uh, primaries come up in November. If in this contract is being ratified, and the, all the details hasn't came out yet, and, and what I could see happen, and I hope I'm wrong, if it goes into ratification process and the workers aren't happy and they vote no, the strike is being delayed now until November because of this process. Yeah. If they vote no, it's going to go back. And now we're going to be negotiating again. But instead of negotiating with a PEB and stuff like that, now you're going to be dealing with potentially a lot of Republicans being Congress. voted in. And just, yeah. And just historically speaking, <laughs> your Republicans do not support workers or union workers. They support the carriers just like the party of Taft. Yeah, party. That's part it. of the work, man. But okay, we yeah. okay. I want to. I do want. I do want to talk about that a little bit because we are seeing it. We've been seeing a shift in the last like 15, 20 years where you know the Democrats were the party of the, the blue collar worker. That's right. long, long gone. And in fifteen, twenty years, they've kind of morphed into more Wall Street backing, media backing, yeah. uh, prestige. Right. You know, anytime some you know blue collar group gets it in their heads that, Hey, we want to get some, you know, working conditions improved. They're immediately cast down as, you know, the deplorables, you know, whatever bucket you want to, right. you want to, you want to put them in. And so right, right now there is no political party that kind of has their back. And right. these, these fights don't need to be political. You know, right. yeah, everybody, they, yeah, they everybody can, can, you know, agree with somebody that like, once you lay out like what the actual working conditions are, Right. Anybody can go, yeah, man, you got a raw deal. Of course, you know, we, yeah. we support you. You're getting this, this and that. Um, right. But as far as I, I would not look into politics at all to like get what you want. If if right. I were a dues paying member right now, I would be looking at voting out every single leader in position that I have right now because absolutely they do not have your back it, at this point. Right. It looks like they're they're all company men. Um, right. And, you know, obviously, I don't know all these people, but from what little research I've been able to do on this. It just sounds like most of these guys are people in senior positions. They're just keeping their heads down until they can retire and then put it all yeah. in the rearview mirror. 
Right. That's right. Yeah, and and and, and you're right. And you know that was the big deal that Jamie Ferguson from the president of the UTU Smart he was pushing. He's like, tell Congress not to get involved. Uh, reach out to your local senators or you know your Congress and said, let them know. Do not get involved within this contract and negotiations. Let it be handled between you know the unions and the carriers. And of course, you had Senator Burr come in and and Bernie shot it down. You know, trying to trying to force the workers back to work. And yeah, they. Uh, they already had a lot of legislation lined up. Pelosi right. was g- galloping around, <laughs> proclaiming they were ready for this. Yeah, tell right. me a little more about this legislation because you know, as a former pollster worker, it's illegal for us to to go on strike. Right. Yeah. Um, same. Yeah. But well, you, guys, you guys, you guys are private sector. Is what what legal power do, does Congress have to tell you guys to get back to work? It, it boils down to the Railroad Labor Act or the Railway Labor Act, and and you know, it, once you go through. The process, as I understand it, once you go through the PEB and the negotiations, and after after so long of the cooling off period, then it actually, and this was a, a, a big deal because everybody thought, and I even misworded it on my video, that the strike was going to happen last Friday at 12.01 a.m. The PEB That's is the, the Presidential Emergency Board? Yep, yep, Presidential Emergency Board, yep. and after they you know give their recommendations, um, if they vote no, you know, you, you have this cooling off period, and, and it. Friday at 12.01 a.m., the strike wasn't necessarily going to happen. That was when the, the workers were legally bound to seek self-help based on the Railroad Labor Act. So uh, with it, with how things are going now, with the ratifying uh, you know, process and getting everything signed off, we'll have all the details next week. Um, it's going to boil down to the workers. And, uh, you know, and, and with, the, with what Senator Burr was trying to re- – let me find it. Man, I had it pulled up on my computer, too. He was trying to, you know, run this bill. It was him in Mississippi, Governor, or was it Governor? I can't remember exactly. I know it's Senator Burr from North Carolina. But they were, oh, man, they were trying to produce this bill that would mandate the railroad workers back to work. And it was all because of the economy and how he was saying it's going to cost the economy $2 billion a day. And that that's, you know, we just can't have that. And And he kept preaching, you know, this is, he said he can guarantee 48 votes of Republicans. Uh, that's going to that's going to man. So what he was trying to do was he was trying to make the railroad workers accept the PEB's recommendations and force them back to work. And, uh, and he said he guaranteed 48 votes, so he just needed 12 more to make 60. But this wouldn't actually force anyone to work. It would just threaten their jobs if they didn't show up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you can't. I mean, what are you going to do? You going to go down to each everybody's house and make <laughs> them go to work? Yeah, that's not going to be the case. But they can't. So the, the, how it works is, is if the government does get involved, and I think this happened back in 1991 is the last time it happened. They'll legislate. You know, everything gets signed off. Of, you know, whatever Biden would do, uh, and it's up to the guys. You either go back to work or you jeopardize losing your job. So it's then it falls in the carrier's hands, and then you're going to defend. You hope your union's going to fight for that, but I don't know how the union would be able to fight for that. If that was exactly, and and how is that even a threat when you, we have at this point record low unemployment, right. everybody's hiring. You know right. that's not much. Okay, don't show up to this job you hate, or we're going to fire you. Is not a threat right. anymore. Yeah, know? no. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so many jobs out there that, and you know, the rail carriers push a lot of their propaganda saying that the average income of a railroad worker is $130,000 a year. That is not the case. That is, that is far from the truth. Um, that, okay, even even grant them that. If the average is that, that means half the people make less than that. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> and that's right. And, you know, there's engineers. Sure, there's engineers that make that money. But for the conductor, 
for the average salary, I would say across the board between all your major class one carriers, I would say is probably between seventy to ninety thousand dollars a year. Hmm. So that's they're they're way off. And how is the pay structured? Because like with truck drivers, most are paid by the mile, not the hour. Right. Um, yeah. I was fortunate to be paid by the by the hour. How how yeah. are you guys? Uh, how is that pay figured out for you guys? That is a trick question because it is based <laughs> on some some carriers pay based on uh, based on mileage. Of course, your distance traveled. Some people pay based on day. If you're on a local or if you're working in the yard, it's based on a pace on an eight hour day. Uh, I get that question every day, and it's so hard to answer because. Every, from my understanding with NS, every terminal is different. My route from Sheffield to Memphis, which was 160 something miles, may pay different than a route, another route that's 160 miles in, say, Ohio or somewhere up north. It's, it's, I'm not sure exactly how it's, it's done. And I never really studied it too hard because, you know, it's just, it, it'll give you a headache. It really will. You're hmm. just like, how, how, how do I make this? But I mean, you know, on the average day, and you had, you had opportunities to make two days pay. So like if you were to go outside your limits, for instance, our limits from uh, Sheffield to Chattanooga was X miles to X miles, X mile post. If you broke that mile post, they were supposed to give you two days pay because now you're traveling on, you're not, you know, your territory that you're not supposed to be on. And wouldn't uh, wouldn't that also kind of not incentivize safety? Because now you're asking guys to work extra for that little little bit bit more cheese. Yeah, it's yeah. They used to say safety first, you know. Then they changed it to safety fourth or third or something like that. And uh, it, it it boils down it boils down to they're going to make you do whatever needs to be done to get the job done, whether you you like it or not. And um, it's it's just a crazy world out there, man. It's just uh, you know you have train masters hiding in bushes and and watching you work, waiting for you to fail. You know they'll they got these switch cards now where they they try and make. I just there's so many different ways for them to try and, and fire you and pull you out of service and it's just it's uh it's a crazy work environment to get into and um it's it's just it's nothing like anywhere I've ever worked it's uh it's, it's crazy it's, I loved I loved my job but it is absolutely nerve wracking at, at the say the least I could imagine train train master yeah. that's an interesting job title yeah yeah train master <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, they're uh, and half of them don't have a clue what they're doing, and I hate to say that, but they've they've never were a conductor or engineer to save their life. They came from college and train master must be synonymous with safety man. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's funny how these old industries all use like those old similar titles. Like obviously, you would never see a title like that anymore. But with the postal right. service, you had postmaster. Yeah, yeah, you still see train masters. You'll see train master, yard master, you know, and. That, that's where you hear the masters, but above that, you go to superintendent, division superintendents, terminal superintendents, and um, yeah, it's just I don't know, man. Those, those some of these trained masters are wild. They're they're extremists to say the least, and <laughs> and there's some really good ones. I've worked. I was fortunate sure. to work with some, with some great trained masters that never tried to fire you. Uh, I, I won't mention his name because I know he still works for NS, but his rule, his when I first started, his his three rules to me was. Don't get hurt. Don't tear anything up, and keep it on the rails. And I said, "Yes, sir. No problem." And that was it. Never bothered that's, me. <laughs> that should be the that should be the handbook. That's right. Yeah. And anytime <laughs> you know, and anytime he needed anything done, I would go out of my way to make sure it was done, just because he always treated me fair and with respect. So it went both ways. Yeah, you see that with a lot of like high stress jobs that require um, really diligent types of training, like like Navy SEALs, for example. Everything's decentralized. Right. You don't right. have a boss bearing down on you, micromanaging everything you do. They train you to do the job and then they right. trust you to go out and get the job on without getting yourself hurt, without getting 
right. anything torn up. Um, right. How would, was there any of that in your training no. or is it like you're just <laughs> micromanaged all every step of the way? No, you were micromanaging is a big deal in the railroad. And, and it's crazy now that working with a new core and, and being able to compare the two because new core is real big about not micromanaging. And like you said, developing your teammates to where, you know, you can trust them and you set your expectations. And if they deviate from the expectations, you are held accountable. And it's, and it's not like they're trying to fire you. It's just, you knew what you needed to do. You didn't do it. You're held accountable versus the railroad was micromanaged to the, to a T, um, especially in the yard work. If you're working in a yard and it, and like I said, it depends on the train master. You know, we had train masters that would go out and hide in woods and watch you work to try and catch you doing something wrong. Hmm. And then you would also have them not necessarily stand over your shoulder and make sure you're, you're serving every, you know, doing everything exactly right. But they wanted to make sure every customer was served uh, within, you know, 12 hour time or hours of law or, or you know, or, uh, our hours or law to work it was 12 hours. That was it. And, you know, if it wasn't, then they're because they had to answer for it. You know, whenever they made their phone calls every day, why wasn't national paper served? Oh, well, so-and-so. And they would get, I've, I've, I've listened to them phone calls and they would get their butt chewed out horrible by upper management. And uh, I think that's where it came down. And, and, you know, I hate to say it, but I really believe that I'm just going to speak for NS. I really believe it boils down to leadership is that's, that's where the problem lies. Um, And, you know, you go a step higher than that wall street. So, you know, they make the calls and you have to, so I'm a big proponent of extreme ownership. Great book by Jocko. Right. And, one of his Absolutely. proponents is like, if you're the one in charge and something got screwed up, it is your fault. You know, right. if you've got somebody under right. you and they didn't do something right, it's because, you know, you were responsible for them and you need to take ownership right. of that. And right. that, ref- that reflects a lot better on both your the people above you and even more so the people below you because they realize, right. oh, this isn't somebody that's just going to throw me under the bus. If I screw up, yeah, I'm going to, you know, take the correction required that, I, that I'm, that's coming to me. But also, right. this person's going to have my back, right? And absolutely. You, yeah, you yeah. See, you see, you see a lack of that in everything now. Nowadays, it's everything yep. CYA. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine these companies are they self-insured? Do you know? Um, I would imagine so. I know. I know. When I was looking into becoming a contractor and switching, that we had to have our own insurance just in case something happened. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I believe so. Because like with, with trucks, you know, if you're trying to become an owner operator, you have to have all kinds of insurance coverage oh, yeah. on you. I can't, right. I can't even begin to imagine yeah. what, what, what kind of coverage is required for like an entire rail card. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and you know, I think of what kind of materials they're, they're, they're caught, they're hauling and, and the potential for derailment and, you know, clean up. Yeah. Clean up. And then you got to think about derailments yeah. with hazardous materials within mm-hmm. super densely populated areas, say Los Angeles for California, or Los Angeles, California, San Diego, you can go up New York, uh, any, you know, all across the country, there's super dense populated areas and railroads are growing right to those areas, which is my biggest argument for two man crews. <laughs> so they're trying to switch to one man crews right now, or they already have one. Yeah. Man crews? No, they have been trying for years. Like I said, when I hired in 2017, I was already told that, you know, that it's, they're going to come for the conductor position because they had already gotten rid of the brakeman. And uh, the break one would used to be like a, just a utility, you know, just a helping hand whenever you did switching and stuff like that. Uh, they used to have another job called a fireman, also a fire boss. And um, so those jobs have been dealt away, you know, and, and kicked out and saved money. And now the conductor position is next based on PTC, which is positive train control, which is nothing more than a software uh, ran by a computer. And then also have tripped optimizer, which is a fuel conservation 
technology that's on the local head end locomotive. And from what I've been told here recently, they're trying to link these two together. So it's, it's, you know, I understand we're in a day and age where technology is starting to grow so great and it's, and it's getting, you know, that's how we get better. That's how companies get better is through technology. And, but it's, but there's a, still a huge safety aspect and, a, and an argument to be made as to why conductors need to be on the trains at all times. And uh, thankfully the FRA has trying to do their part and letting people speak their minds as far as why we need two man crews on the trains at all times. And, and uh, they, they blocked for this contract so far, they have blocked the, the uh, possibility of getting rid of the conductor. So 2025 will be when those conversations get brought back up again. If you haven't gone to otrsolutions.com slash BTU yet, here's your reminder. Not sure how to say it, but factoring these guys just makes sense. They're focused on driving your success and helping you grow your company. They've gone as far as offering custom business email address setups so you can negotiate better rates with brokers. There's just so much opportunity out there, and OTR is your ticket to success. So head on over to otrsolutions.com slash BTU and check out their solutions. Automation is something we hear about all the time yeah. in the trucking industry. Are these jobs being automated, or are they just making the people still around do no, so now? I just know when I was there... It was real, if it was a PTC train, meaning it was PTC active and it actually worked, <laughs> you actually had to log in, engineer would log in, put in their train details. Once they got out of the yard onto the main line, they would click go, you know, and PTC would be turned active. And then this is before Tripped Optimizer and PTC was linked together. And I, like I, said, I still don't believe they are, but I think they're trying to get it done. So the engineer would actually run the train, but PTC would... Like I said, it's just a uh, it's a safety tool. It can tell you how long it takes for the train to stop based on its weight and length. It can tell you your signal four and five miles down the road. It shows you your grade, whether you're going to be going uphill or downhill. And it's, like I said, it's just a safety tool. So if you're going 60 miles an hour and you've got a stop signal coming up you know, a mile down the road, it can tell you need to stop now in order to make that stop signal. And like I said, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's a great tool. I, think, I really do think it's a great tool. But uh, the, like I said, it went from a safety tool to a firing tool because they would start firing guys that were caught speeding or, or, or broke some type of rule or went over a solder too fast. And uh, now it's trying to turn into a job replacement tool is, is the next carrier's goal for sure. Yeah. That overlaps a lot with um, electronic yeah, driver's yeah, logs. Right. You know, yeah. we were talking before we started recording how paper logs were ubiquitous throughout the industry until electronic logs came along and you could kind of sort of cheat right. on paper logs. You know, if you run into traffic, you just kind of truncate your log, your hours to match the mileage mm-hmm. and everything worked. But now with electronic logs, you're at the right. mercy of the clock. Yep. That's right. And, and yeah, and the rail rail is no different. And it kind of goes in with like how kind of goes in how they have, you know, collision mitigation intertwined with the brake control of the truck and right. with the, the automated cruise mm-hmm. controls, you know, it's, like one the one freightliner technician out in Denver told me when I had my truck in the shop, literally all they got to do is push a push a button on my truck, which is a 2019 freightliner Cascadia, and it could mm-hmm. be computer controlled, automated, got it. You know, it, it's right. already in there. Right. They just got to get Congress and uh, that, uh, Highway Transportation Safety Administration to sign off on it and let them go into the you know the class four automation, just let it run by itself. Yep. And it's going to, I see that being an extremely hard argument or it's going to be extremely hard for, to me, it would be hard for me to sign off on that, knowing the danger that's out there. Like how can you possibly have an automated 18 wheeler around public, you know, that could, I mean, there's a lot of, 
a lot of areas where things can go really bad really quickly and you're jeopardizing citizens. While Rooster was talking about this, I remember that there was a company, it's called Kama, Kama.ai, and they're an open source platform. And what they do is they, they have a device, it's basically a smartphone with a couple extra mm-hmm. cameras on it. You slap it onto your windshield and then it runs a cord from the phone or the device to your your car's diagnostic port. And again, it's not fully, I mean, it mm-hmm. is self-driving. I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't right, trust it with right. my life whatsoever, but it's, it's pretty yeah. dang close. And it works, I think, with every car going back to like wow. 2015, I think. Wow. So you take any, any car, put this thing on it and it's, you know, almost, yeah. almost there. And I don't, I don't, Imagine why I wouldn't be able to do that with a semi truck too. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's definitely coming. We know it. We know it's going to happen. It's just, I just, I don't know. I, I'm so, I, I know we're all human and we all make mistakes, but when it comes to automation and technology, it makes me nervous. Trucks, instead of cameras, they got the LIDAR built into them. You know, you see most of the trucks now have the LIDAR on the front of them. Some of them, you see those great, those uh, blackish gray mm-hmm. pods on the sides. That's the side. Uh, aim lidar so it's they're already mounted on there mm-hmm. uh throwing a camera with some ai yep. it, it i mean they want they want cat dash cams of those trucks bad especially the driver facing ones but you know that's a that's yeah. a whole nother topic oh yeah we got those in the engine that's yep. crazy yeah so they can see yep. if you're dozing off or if you're looking at your phone yep. That's right. How how micromanaged is that? Like, so like in a, tr- I'll give you an example in a, in a semi truck. If you work for a company that has driver cab facing cameras, if you go over a speed bump or if you hit your brakes a little too hard, the the camera it'll beep at you and it'll, it'll say like event recorded. And what what, oh, wow. what what's happening is that the camera is running twenty four seven, but it's not record. Right. It will, it's, it's recording, but it's not saving anything that it records. Right. When it, when an event is is detected. It takes the previous, and your company can set it up. It's anywhere from 15 to 30 seconds to a minute. But they can take the time from before the event, during, and after the event, saves it, and then it beams a copy via email to your whoever your safety person is. And I interviewed right. for a mail contractor years ago, and my first day orientation, I'm, I'm sitting in the office with their safety guy, and he's going over the rules and stuff with you, with you and he's explaining, like, yes, we, we use in-cab facing cameras. And he's like, this is how it looks on my end. And he's showing me his daily emails and he just picks a video at random. And lo and behold, it's, it's a guy with his uh, son in the truck with him. And they went over a speed bump going into the gate of a uh, mail processing plant. And he goes, Oh, that's an unauthorized passenger. And they fired him right there that day. Wow. Yeah. Like that's that, crazy. That quick. No, Do you guys have anything like that with the trains? No, we we never knew if they were if if they were, were watching. I don't know how that works. I would imagine it's probably something similar to that. You know, um, I don't I don't know if there's somebody sitting in a room watching trains run. If they did, they were extremely bored because I didn't do anything but just look <laughs> out of a window. But uh, you know, we had one NS engines. We had one facing out the nose, I guess, for collisions and stuff like that. You know, whether it be a collision with a train or a car. And then most of the time, we had one back behind us, looking down over the back of us, so you can see the engineer and the conductor. Some of the KCS trains have one right here in your face, and they're looking right at you. Hmm. Um, I just know they're in there, and it's, it's the craziest thing that I have heard, and and this is in Sheffield, they somehow they can detect signal from your phone, whether it's turned on or off. I don't know if it's, hmm. I don't know how, what kind of technology it is. Maybe it's Bluetooth, I'm not sure. But the, the And I didn't see this. This was just a story that was told to me, but in Sheffield there was a, it's called a thoroughfare. It's just a track that runs in the middle of the yard from one end to the other. And that's where all your guys will come come down to thoroughfare to put their engines up in the diesel shop. 
Um, a this train was actually PTC active, and it had um, the, the new t- software technology to detect cell phone signal. And right next to the thoroughfare is our road going out of the yard, going back to the main road to leave. Um, well, these guys were coming down the thoroughfare. The train was enforced and stopped, and the guys were fired. Um, I wouldn't say enforced. The the signal was picked up and sent to the train master or whoever it was about having a cell phone on while the engines were moving, and they actually got fired and pulled out of service when it was really, during the investigation, it was a truck that drove by. It was just a conductor going home that had a cell phone on. And it, mm. it, it got, so that, that was the craziest thing that I've heard. They probably got signal sniffers, you know, kind of like how police departments do. Yeah. And from my understanding, they got pulled out of service, but they were paid. Okay. Yeah. So you, okay. Mm. You guys are union. I have to imagine with any kind of disciplinary stuff, you have a shop steward or is anyone there like to have your back? Yeah. So you got local chairmen there, you know, you have your, your local guys and most of them are your engineers or conductors. So, and, and, uh, you know, those are the guys you make a phone call to. Um, you know, I was thankful enough to never get wrote up or, or get pulled out of service. Uh, I was very close at times because of some of my engineers I worked with speeding during PTC active trains. Um, but from my understanding is, is, you know, if you're pulled out of service, you just make a phone call to your local chairman, tell them you get ready for investigation, and then they're going to do their part, do their, you know, they're investigating too, and then go and sit down in front of company officials and, and they defend you. And they try and get you, they keep save your job and, and try to get you back out to work. So, you know, whether it be a serious start or something really major on your record, they try and knock it down and save your job. Just like a lawyer. That's all it is. It's just a lawyer. Yeah. 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 I, I tell everyone when I was in the Postal Service, they, they call those PDIs, pre-disciplinary interviews. Mm-hmm. And I tell everyone, like, view your shop steward as if they're your lawyer. Right. Because we'd have, we'd have all kinds of people say, yeah, I want to be a shop steward. Yeah, I want to do this. I want to do that. Right. And I'm like, man, I, w- I wouldn't trust you. To pay my parking <laughs> ticket, little yeah. represent, represent me. Right, right, that's right. Yeah, I get. And, so, I get, and some were pretty good. Yeah, I get questions every day. You know, um, you know, you have the BLET, which is the Brotherhood Locomotive Engineering Trainmen Union. Then you have the UTU mm. Smart, which is you know that's that's the conductor position, or the you know the conductor's role. And and I get asked every day, who should I join, the UTU or the BLE? And before all this happened in April with the STB and. Um, with all these carriers acting crazy and furling all their employees, I used to say, go talk with each of your local chairman in each union, and you choose who you think would represent you best against the company. Because you're hiring a lawyer is all you're doing. So whoever you think the mm-hmm. lawyer is the best, choose them. And now I have really leaned towards with Jeremy Ferguson fighting as hard as he is, the president of the UTU. Um, he's, I think he's done a great job representing his workers, and I think he's really fought. He's, he's trying to do the right thing. Um, you know, I've seen setback and I've watched him give the carriers absolute, I mean, he has just dropped bomb after bomb on the carriers and the STB and is letting them know how they, how it really is. And I, th- I think he's doing a good job. So now I've leaned more towards the conductors. You know, you might want to join the UTU, even though it's a little bit more expensive, but at the end of the day, it's, it's your decision. So whoever you think. So as, you as a rail worker, you're, you're given the option to choose which union you join. It's not dependent on what craft you're in. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. The BLET. We'll represent conductors also, uh, but their primary, mm-hmm. repre- you know, it will be engineers. And, and the UTU is the same. And, uh, is yeah, I, I don't know. The, see, the benefits between both is, is a little different. So, you know, you've got striking insurance and, and stuff like that. And, the, and, of course, your union dues, it, it's all it's all a little bit different, but they're pretty similar. But that's when it, it kind of boils down to the person to, to read read and make their decision. I read um, 
this thread on Twitter the other day. There's all these you know threads everywhere about this, this oh, yeah. stuff that's happening right now. And yeah. one of the guy, this guy was complaining that he he held three different um, positions within the within the union leadership, and wow. he was I, I believe he had been a rail worker prior, and he was out of it now, but he wasn't making all that much money as yeah. a as a union rep, right. and. People were saying, "Well, why isn't the company paying this? And why isn't the company doing this? Why isn't the...? Mm. And people don't realize when you're on company time, the company's paying you. But when you're on your union time, it's the union right. that pays you. I don't know of any company that would pay somebody <laughs> to yeah. do union work on their clock. Yeah, that's <laughs> it right. Just doesn't happen. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and then you know, talking about talking about union and company time and paying stuff. It, the biggest thing that I see, too, I know it's about strike, and I was talking about, you know, talking earlier about the strike and stuff. My my biggest question when it comes to union and money is just mentioned being paid. I was curious to how long will the UTU be able to keep that up? Because, you know, they have a, a talking about the different contracts with the union, different unions. The UTU pays their union members $120 a day of strike and, you know, strike pay. You've got, what, 40 something thousand members. How long could mm. they keep that up? You know, like well, exactly. And there hasn't been a strike since what ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. where is all that money going? Yeah, right. And 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 it's you know, I know that's something that the unions have got to you know Ferguson and his team are, are contemplating. Like, man, if, if we if we go on strike, you know, it may not last long, and if it does last long, we're in trouble. And mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's definitely something that that the members and the workers need to think about whenever it comes to you know voting on this contract, but. You know, I really think it boils down to quality of life issues. Like you mentioned earlier, yeah, a lot of the guys, they don't, it's not the money. It, it's the uh, quality of life issues, being able to go spend time with their family. And uh, it's just, I don't know, I mean, some of these carriers are wild. BNSF, UP, and CSX even. NS had probably the better one of the four or five. Just, you know, when I worked with them, I worked on the extra board and I worked, we were scheduled to work six days and we had 48 hours off on the extra board. And, but if you were to bid on a pull turn, which is nothing more than like a West End pull, so you knew exactly you were going to Memphis every day. You were going to Sheffield and Memphis every day. Um, Norfolk Southern would always say if you worked six days, they called it six starts. Where If you worked six starts, you would get 48 hours off. But what they would do is your starts would reset after 24 hours of being off. So you would work, and then you'd get on your fifth start, say you'd leave and go to Memphis for your fifth start. Well, if they deadheaded you home in a van... And since you home, your starts will reset because you're not actually working. You're just getting paid and you're getting driven home. Or if you sat in a hotel for more than 24 hours, your starts reset. And that's what they would do. And they used to say, though, we don't watch it. We don't watch it. Now, it happened to me three times in a row. And I worked for, gosh, it was like almost um, almost two months straight every day. Never, hmm. never, never got off. And anytime I hit my fifth start, I was either deadheaded or I sat in a hotel for 24 hours. You told me I'm getting burnt out real quick. That's, that's a great yeah. way to do it. And then they wonder why their guys lay off. Back in about 2007, I think, I actually started, thought about going to the CSX school over Waycross, Georgia, over there at the college. And I was talking yep. to a buddy of mine. That he's he's a engineer. And he was like, dude, you don't want it. This is now, this is 2000, right. <laughs> back in early 2000. He's like, you got a CDL, yeah. be a bus driver. Trust me, be a bus driver. Right. You don't. That's that's too much politics for you. Just uh, drive yeah. guys back and two from uh, Brunswick to Atlanta or Brunswick to Jacksonville or Brunswick to Waycross. That's all. Right. You'd be in a better position than having to do with this stuff on the yard or on the train. Yep, and it's it's still the same way. If you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see comments telling these new guys coming in to run. 
run away <laughs> and don't ever try and get in. And, you know, I, I can't argue with that. I don't delete their comments. I'm not there to censor this channel. I want people to express themselves freely, but it's, I was told the same thing. My first day when I started as a conductor in Sheffield, my first day on the job training, I worked with a guy named Peeper and he started his pre 85 guy. He had been there 38, 39 years. And then a, a gentleman by the name of Mike Hill. He was the first engineer I ever worked with, Mike Hill. Walked in, Peeper said, Hey, Mike, this is Joey. He's going to be training with us today. Today's his first day. And Mike's exact words to me was, If you're smart, you'll get your shit and get out of here. You can cut that out. <laughs> that, that was his exact words to me. <laughs> And that is that is wild because yeah. we even even with truck driving, you know, I I always like to ask people like, would you want your children to be a, to grow up to be truck drivers? And even yeah. you know, it's it's I'd say sixty forty. Most people are like, yeah, of course, you know, it's it yeah. was a great job, you know, maybe not you know their whole lives that they want them to do it, but right, you know, we we talked with uh, Sadea Morris, she's a, a truck driver, uh, the other a couple weeks ago on our podcast, and even she was like, absolutely, I'd, I'd love my kids to to get into this. Yeah, you know? she. She started, you know, her in early on in her life in, in transportation. Right. I don't know if I'd want my son to be a truck driver. You know, this right. wasn't my dream job. I, I kind of stumbled into it, but I right. made the most of it that I could while I was there. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I get asked too by several people. Do I, would I encourage anyone to go to the rail industry? And and what I preach is is like you know, for a lot of people, they're working for the railroad is their dream. You know, that's been their dream as a kid, and you know. I think everybody may have a little bit of a fascination with trains. You know, just how, you know, it's cool. It, you know, like I said, I, when I worked for Road and Rail, I saw the train come by screaming, you know, I think I'm going to go work for that. That's pretty cool. Uh, and, and I always tell them, like, man, if it's your dream to do this, give it a shot. Um, you know, I, I encourage you to give it a shot because if you don't, you will have the regret. You will be saying when you're 40, 50, 60 years old, man, I should have gave that a shot. If you give it a shot and it doesn't work out, guess what? Just go find something else. You know, thankfully we're in an economy yeah. now where everybody is hiring and you can make, you know, there's plenty of money out there. So now would be the time if you want to give it a shot. And my, uh, my son's two years old and he went through a Thomas the Tank Engine phase for about three weeks. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully gave that up. So I'm yeah. Like, okay. That's he's right. Gonna, he's not going to yeah. go to trains. That's right. He's in yeah. a planet now. So maybe he'll be an astronomer. Yeah, there you go. That was good. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if there was some type of protection and, you know, like, there's been a lot of talk about getting the FRA and the government to mandate two-man crews. If, if the mandate would ever get put through, I think it would be a lot easier to, one, find talent, you know, because now you're not, you don't have people worried about, oh, they're going to be furloughed in 2025 now when this, when this new bill, contract comes up. Um, you know, you can find talent you, and, you know, you know, you have a career. I know I made the joke. I made a reaction to Norfolk Southern's conductor video and the guy makes the comment in the video, uh, Norfolk Southern, rip, you know, whatever he is, some type of high up. He said something along the lines of, you know, whenever I come to work as a conductor, I know that I can take pride in what I do because my job, I'm always going to have a job there tomorrow. That is not <laughs> the case. That is absolutely not the case. Uh, uh, this is thank you know, right now. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, right now, sure. The FRA has passed this two man crew rule. It's not a mandate. It's just a rule. And, but that rule could be easily overturned. And, um, uh, you know, carriers have a lot of deep pockets and have a lot of connections. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens between now and, and the next contracts and, and the ratification process and just see what happens. And, um, so we hear, we hear in the trucking industry all the time about, you know, driver shortages, et cetera. Right. And we, we always push back against that. There is no shortage. There's no such right. thing as a truck driver shortage. Right. In a market economy, there is no such thing as a labor shortage. Either right. wages will come up and people will, 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 take the job right. or the job goes away. Like that's right. just how it is. Yep. Um, 
what is that what is the case with 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 the trains like is there so with truck drivers we have a constant influx of new talent coming in all the time yep. but then it's a meat grinder they, right. they have a retention issue yep. turnover rate is over 150 percent yeah in some companies right is that the case with the, with the train companies or is it just that that river has dried up i think i think it's i think it's one the competitiveness because like i said i make now i make what these guys are making right now working for csx bn ns kcs cpc and doesn't matter i make what they make and i work monday to friday I work 42 hours a week. That's, that's your first problem. And, you know, that lifestyle and as a truck driving lifestyle, it's very similar. Um, that is, it takes a toll on your body. It's super unhealthy. You're working all hours of the day. You're eating crappy food. You know, you, you know, you're not spending time with your family. All that amounts to money. And if I'm going to sacrifice all this time, you have to pay me for it. And that's why you see a lot of young guys coming in, but you don't see older. I say older, you know, guys in their, 30s to 40s looking for a new career. Very rarely do I catch somebody, but it's someone that's already been retired and they're probably more than likely financially stable. And they're just looking to do it as a, just as a dream, I guess. Uh, Competitiveness for sure. Turnover rate's a big issue also because I think the the rail carriers are really, they kind of tell you about the lifestyle. But when I went to orientation, it was just a flock of crap. You know, they just, they, you know, it's always sunny and 75 when you work for the railroad. That's the little term they used to say. And, and that's just, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, they tell you you're going to be on call. They tell you, you know, you're, you know, you're going to be gone from your family and stuff like that. They, they are up front in that aspect, but, um, you know, they, they, they don't try and help you prepare for it. They just tell you and they expect you to adapt and, and, it, and, you know, those guys get out there and they realize, you know, I'm only, I'm only bringing home fifteen hundred dollars every two weeks, or sixteen hundred dollars every two weeks, and I'm missing seeing my kid for two weeks at a time. Now y'all can hang this up. I'm, I'm I can go work somewhere else and make that, and uh, you know that. And then it boils down to politics. You know, everybody sees what's going on with the carriers, and and um, I think I think if if they're really if people are finding my channel and googling YouTube railroad talk, what does a conductor do? Those articles about what's going on, you know, in the in the politic world have got to be coming up on their search feed. And that, to me, if I was in their shoes, I'd be like, uh, what the heck's going on? And then you see the, the carriers versus the unions. The carriers are not trying to pay them anything. And it's, yeah, it, that's that's bad. Bad PR. So, yeah, so let's talk about that. How did you get into uh, YouTube? Oh, so, yeah, so YouTube, believe it or not, man, I've always had a fascination with YouTube. Um, back in 2007 is when I started. And I was, I don't know how old I was, 16, 15, 16 years old, something like that. And... Uh, so I you were a, in it even before I was a truck driver. Yeah, so I was I was in high school <laughs> and I was a I was a gamer, you know. I had this gaming channel, on. yeah, and that's where it all started. And uh-huh. and uh, you know, I I just always had a fascination with YouTube. Not I don't know why. It's not like I, I care about fame or anything like that. It's just I think it's the creation part. I love creating something and and being able to post it. So it started there. Okay. Were you into? Were you, I'm sorry for interrupting. Were you okay. into uh, Newgrounds at all growing up? Newgrounds. No, so I don't remember Newgrounds. So the game that I played, the game that I played that's that so started funny. YouTube was RuneScape. Old school RuneScape uh, was the one that I played. Now, okay. Yeah, Newgrounds isn't a game. It's actually a website that has games on it. It's, it's okay. games, animation, music, etc. Okay. But there is a bit of a generation gap divide where older millennials like me, I was into Newgrounds in high school. Probably later stage millennials basically just didn't know it existed. Yeah. And now there's like a Gen Z following 
that have oh, like okay. rediscovered it because of games like uh, you know, Friday Night Funkin' and yeah. Among Us and all yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Those games have kind of made a, a, a second resurgence oh, okay. for Newgrounds. Awesome. So it's, it's, it sounds like you were kind of into that stuff uh, yeah. early yeah. on as well. Yeah, it, it was fun. That, that's, that's where it all started. And then I've, I've always wanted to, uh, when I was growing up, you know, fishing all the time is what I did. And I always wanted to start this fishing channel. But, you know, and I always wanted to do that. But really what when I really got into YouTube was when I went, when I got my start date for being a conductor with Norfolk Southern, I started Googling what to expect. What's it, what's training like? And there was absolutely zero anywhere besides one guy on the channel. And his name was, uh, crap. I can't remember his name. He's still on the channel now on YouTube now, but, um, he was the only thing that had anything, but he worked for BNSF. So it wasn't NS related and BNSF and NS are almost like two different worlds. Training is kind of similar, but it's still two different worlds. And so I saw an opportunity. It wasn't Diesel Deucey, was it? No, not Diesel Deucey. Oh, man, what's his name? Do it's you know who that guy? No, uh, Diesel Deucey. He, he's he's kind of notorious. So I, I think way back in the day he worked on the trains. Then he was a driver for Schneider, I believe. Because okay. that's how I stumbled upon him. He he was on the, all these Schneider forums. And then he has a YouTube channel. Now he basically does reviews for elevators. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. It's like the weirdest. It's, I, it shows you that there really is a YouTube channel for everything. Yeah, so I, you were into trains and also fishing. Yep. This guy's into elevators. Hey, there's a there's a niche <laughs> for everything, no matter where you're at. So or what you're into. Exactly. And he's really into it too. You go on there and he's like, "Hey guys, this is this is a, you know, I don't even know the names." And he's like, "This is a bellhop twenty seven. <laughs> that's uh, max, awesome. Max capacity thirty thousand pounds. You know, he presses all the buttons and stuff. Yeah. And it's just that's like, awesome. That's crazy <laughs> yeah that's uh, yeah and I, I just saw i just saw an opportunity and i was always asked to like from friends and family like man how much money did you make at norfolk southern i'd always answer them you know what i made and, and i was like maybe i should maybe there's something to this and that's when i started started my channel gosh i made the video i'm trying to look and see um when did i start this i think it was in 2019 actually um three years ago it says i started this where is it exact man? June twenty fifth, twenty nineteen, so the day before my birthday, and that was the first video. And it's how much money do railroad conductors really make in twenty nineteen? And that's where it all started. And then that video, I think I posted like maybe four or five videos, and I just quit YouTube. I just I started my new career with Newcore shortly after all that, and I was put on the back burner. I just happened to look at my YouTube channel as a joke just to see what was happening, and and it was growing. And what it was is, is mm-hmm. that NS had furloughed all those guys, and now they're trying to rehire like crazy. And people, uh-huh. people, people were searching, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if I wanted to ever do this, now is the time." And you had a great title. Yeah, SEO is key. Yeah, search and engine that, optimization. That's man. it, man. Yeah. And that's what I preach about YouTube is is, is is thumbnail, title, and your description. The first paragraph of your description, you put them keywords in there. And you know, I don't know if y'all know about this, but I know YouTube has started this new AI deal about. When it comes to video creation and your topic, you know, it's great for your thumbnail and your title and your description to match your topic, but they actually can tell what you're talking about based on their AI. And so they actually, mm-hmm. the AI actually listens or looks at what you're saying and makes sure it matches your, whatever you're talking about. And that's how it knows the SEO. They've got all kinds of crazy secret sauce going on. Yeah, behind the scenes. it is. It's, it, it's scary. It is. Yeah. I just, man, I've always had a passion for YouTube. I love, I've took, I've spent thousands of dollars on courses and, 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 creation classes on thumbnails and it's just a lot of fun i enjoy it do you think any of those are worth it oh absolutely yeah there's there's several several of them that are actually worth it um the biggest one being sean cannell which is think media i'm sure y'all may have seen him mm. uh, he has a course called uh gosh what's the name of that course some something i 
can't remember, but I paid for it. And it, and it's, it's this huge course and it talks about video ideas and how to, how to find your video ideas and, and, you know, thumbnail title descriptions and how to create thumbnails. It's just, it's a great course. I think it was like only like 200 bucks and it was worth it because I learned so much. I've not done any courses. I, I've kind of like bootstrapped this whole thing myself. Yeah. And we have, so we have a, we have a Twitter, an Instagram, a YouTube, a TikTok, yeah. um, yeah. and then our website. And out of all of those, the, the TikTok is the one that really yeah. skyrocketed. And I, I still to this day have no idea what the secret sauce is with that because I'll put all kinds of time and effort into something and it gets like a hundred views Yep. and then something else. I just, I, I slap it together as quickly as I can and it's got like seventy five thousand views yep. within like like two days. It's, That's right. It's crazy. It's all re- it's all retention based. I figured out what TikTok is. If you can keep them on your video for longer, they'll be there. So that's why you see these TikToks like some dude to be like, wait till the end, and it's just and then at the end they like uh, yeah. throw something, you know. And that's it's all about retention times. And I messed around on mm. TikTok with my channel for a while, and I posted a video about why is the railroad hiring so much. And I went to the same spill like I said earlier. You know, they overhired. 2017, 18, 19, furloughed everybody. Then they furloughed some more during COVID. And now they're trying to catch up with the industry. And that video just blew up. And that was my first one. 300 something thousand views on TikTok. And it was just retention time because I I was getting to the point at the very end of my video. And people wanted to hear it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Another one I noticed works too is if if you're covering something that's like a headline screenshot behind you. And it's it's something that's like super in the news and, and, yep. and everyone's opinionated on it. That's a great, great way to get yep. uh, engagement as well. That's right. Yeah. And if, if you, if you, if you post up, that's very opinionated, you can do pull the Joe Rogan deal. And that is post and ghost and don't read the comments. Cause you will, people will roast you. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, thank God I've not had to deal with that. Yeah. Um, but def for sure. The comment section on TikTok is, is a toxic, such yeah. toxic cesspool. Yeah. But it also led us to the first guests on our podcast. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Because I put out a, I put out a TikTok about um, this truck driver, Leland Schmidt, who was filing for an exemption for his hours of service. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was filing as an individual, not on behalf of the company. Right. So I don't know if you know this, but like, you could have your CDL for six months, go work at a big mega carrier, and then they tell you, hey, we got these uh, bottles of water that got to go to you know hurricane disaster areas. You're exempt from any hours of service. Just just run your ass off and get it there. Wow. And and you're not you're you're basically unenforceable. You know, right. You're, you're beyond you're beyond the law. Right. Versus somebody who's been driving for thirty years with a spotless safety record. And they say, hey, you know, we're, we're safe drivers, too. We'd, we'd also like an exemption because of X, Y, and Z. No one's ever been granted an exemption before as an wow. individual. Wow. And so that's that's what they're trying to, to get out there. But anyway, um, so, so I put this TikTok out about it. And I kind of got a couple of things wrong in it. And Leland's wife, Lisa, just absolutely roasted me. Yeah. Like, um, she's like, <laughs> yeah. you got this wrong. Read the green book. You don't know what you're talking about. And right. I was like, oh, crap. Yep. So I, I immediately DM'd them. And I was like, hey, I am so, so sorry. Tell me what I did wrong, please. I want to make I want to make this right. I wasn't right. like, no, nah, you're being dismissed. You know, you, you know what you're talking about. I I was like, oh crap. I I, I stepped this doo doo here. Yep, me too. And it was great. I yep. I talked to them over the phone. We we've made up. And what's funny is even today, I'll go through the comments on that original TikTok, and I'll have other truck drivers that either know of them, mm-hmm. and they'll still roast me. They're like, oh, you don't oh, know yeah. what you're talking about, blah blah. blah. And I'm like, guys, believe that. It's it's over and done with. I made a follow up TikTok. We right. did an hour long podcast with them. We're great. We <laughs> still talk to this day. Yep, yep. I got mine. Um, I got mine just four days ago. I had a guy. Is it 
subscriber to my channel. And like I said, I made I made the comment, I made the video that says prepare yourself. And the video is based around telling conductors and engineers, look, you know, according to the contract, if they go on strike at Friday at 12.01 a.m. and you're at your away from home terminal, according to the contract and the agreement, you are on your own. You know, you you have to get, you know, you're going to get yourself back home. So call your spouse and your loved ones, your partner, whoever. Make sure you got a ride back home. And this guy roasted me, and he's like, you know, the, our union's number one priority is getting our guys back home. And, you know, and, and, and I understand. He said, this is the most misleading video you've done, fear-mongering. I'm like, look, man, mine's, I'm, that was never my intention. My intention is to make sure that we're all prepared. And I talked with some local chairmen, and local chairmen made it very clear to me that, no, you're right. Uh, but, you know, at his local, his local may be prioritizing getting his guys home, but that may not be for every yard in the, in the United States. Just him. Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, that makes me feel better. But I commented back and I was like, look, man, that was never my intentions. I made a mistake. I own up to it. Like you said, extreme ownership. I, I like Jocko Willie. And um, <laughs> hey, how can I get better? You know, I appreciate your comment, first of all. And and I'll get better. And I told him I'd address the issue. And that's going to be addressed in my next video. Like, hey, I made a mistake. I should have told you guys, yes, a strike can happen or, or has, is a possibility of happening at 12.01 a.m. I didn't say that exactly. I said the strike, you know, the, the strike at 12.01 a.m. is when they could strike. And I didn't make it clear. So yeah, yeah, ownership is great. It sucks sometimes, but hey, that's, that's part of yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just part of the problem. It's it's not just you know you're putting your face out on all this stuff too. So right. when you get something wrong, you know if you get it right, congrats. You know yeah. you get you get all the praise and adulations for it, and you get like the bragging rights. But when you get it wrong, oh, oh yeah. man, you got yeah you, you got to eat that sandwich. That's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. Yeah, always yeah eating crow. That's right. So yeah. what what advice do you have for people? Instead of going into the train route, what advice do you have for them wanting to get into like the YouTube influencer, yes. influencer route? If, if you're looking to get into YouTube and, you know, I have guys at work that they're very creative and, and they've always wanted to get into the YouTube creation, you know, deal. So I talk about this all the time. My biggest advice I would say is to, if you're going to create a channel, it doesn't matter about your name. Don't get hung up on your name. The best thing to do is just get started. You know, just, just get started. Don't worry about you know, what you look like or what you sound like or how uncomfortable you look in front of the video, just just get started. And the, and the best way to get started is answer specific questions. So if you look at my first video, how much money does railroad conductors make? You know, how, how conductor training, how to pass conductor training. I have all these how-to videos. And, and the reason being is, and the reason I say it, and I know this is going to sound harsh and cruel, when people find your channel and you're new on YouTube, those people are looking for an answer. They don't care about you. They don't know you. They don't They don't care. And I know it so sounds harsh, but they don't care anything about you. They just want the answer to their question. So when you start your video, you know, get straight to the point, you know, and and that's my biggest advice. And what will happen is, and even with my channel, even as small as it is, I've got 7,000 subscribers. It started with I was answering questions, and now it has got to where I have a following, and now they're really interested in my personal life, and they want me to make a fishing channel and see what's behind the scenes behind this backdrop what's back here. And I'm in the process of finally doing that now. And, and you know, I'm, I'm only going to do it because, um, you know, I have a relationship with all these, all these people on my channel and, and this is, uh, it's not my community we build, it's our community. And, you know, and I look at that that way and it's just, you know, you know, start, start small, start answering questions. And once you start to grow and develop momentum, then you can kind of experiment and transfer into that, you know, that vlog type deal or, anything you know i've live streamed i've gamed on my channel before i have a lot of real fans and kids that are gamers and uh there's just a lot of little bitty niches you can get into without breaking the youtube algorithm 
They're, they're making it mad, but yeah, yeah let's get started. I, I love throwing out this, this fact, you know, most people that want to get into the podcast kind of, they, they talk themselves out of it because they're like, there's so many podcasts out there. Oh, like, how yeah. can I ever like shine? So people don't realize 90% of all podcasts ever made never make it past episode three. I believe it. 90%. I believe it. Out of out of those, out of that 10% that make it, 80% of those never make it past episode 20. Right. So when you do the math, if you want to be in the top 1% of all podcasts of all time, Make twenty one episodes. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's all it takes. That's it. And I have to I have to imagine that the same that case is the same on YouTube. Right. You know, there's so much content out there that really consistency consistency is key. Right. Engage engage with your audience. Right. And it doesn't need you don't need to be the next Joe Rogan. Right. You, you can be the next Joey Cobb. You can Absolutely. be the next Rooster. You can be the next Just Justin. Right. Um it's it's way more advantageous to have an audience of thir- of of Constantly engage thirty thousand versus a passive audience of like four million. That's right, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. Because you know when you have an engaging audience, it's so much fun. Because you know you get to develop relationships with those guys and girls, and and you know I'm trying to think of what I was just about to say. Saying when you was talking about that. Oh, oh, and, and YouTube. You know, a lot of people think this is a get rich quick, right? I'm gonna make money on YouTube. It's not. And, no. and 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 my biggest advice. Yeah, my biggest advice to people is. If you, if you really want to do YouTube and you really want to do this, um, make it a two-year plan. Two years. Mm-hmm. Give it two years and just and, – and, but within two years, one, you'll be making money if you're consistent. You know, I would just say just upload one video a week. That's 52 videos a year. Do that for two years. That's 104 videos. Give it 104 videos, not even edited. You know, just, just – and you sit down and talk like I do in my videos, like a simple podcast or – or just, you know, just anything that you can bring value to whoever's watching. Because, again, remember, they don't know you. They don't care. They just want their answer. And if you do that for two years, one, you'll have side income and, and you're still doing something that you enjoy versus, like me, I work at Newcore Monday through Friday. So I never did it for the money. I did it just to answer questions and help people out. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to where Norfolk Southern has this rule, too, where if you have not been a marked-up conductor for more than a year, you cannot train somebody. When I started with Norfolk Southern, I was forced to a yard job because they changed some things around. I was actually forced there, so I actually had the privilege of training new people every week. And that was just one of the deals where they had they had to let me train them. And I've always had a passion for training. And even at Newcore, they let me train people all the time. So it's just fun. And, and uh, you know, it's it's just one of those deals. You know, it's, it, you have to get started now, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Sure. And be prepared to look back and cringe. Oh yeah, man, man, it's bad. <laughs> How does that yeah. feel when you when you look at your first like four uploads? Yeah. And you just go, oh, what was I thinking? Yeah, I, I've gone back several times and looked at mine, like my very first video. You can tell I'm so uncomfortable in front of the video camera. Yes, you're like, you're like yes. stiff like a board, and like, hey, like, thanks for coming back to railroad talk. And uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing too. You know, people get so hung up, and I, even I did. You get so hung up on what you sound like in camera or what you look like, and all that simple. The more you practice, it's a, it's a craft. It's like anything else. The more you mm-hmm. do it, the more comfortable mm-hmm. you get. And, uh, you, you know, it's it's just one of those deals. Repetition, repetition, repetition. And, and yep. it becomes just like another day, like going to the bathroom. You know? it's, it's a muscle. Uh, it is. That's it. You got to exercise it often or you will lose it. That's for sure. And that's been my, that's been my problem. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap things up. We're over an hour here. Uh, okay. Where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at Railroad Talk and then mainly on YouTube. Uh, River Talk as well, and then on Facebook, you can find my Facebook links on my YouTube channel if you need to reach out to me personally and send me a message. So, 
But yeah, m- most people find me on Facebook. And if you if you know if you're looking to work in the real industry, you have questions, go to my YouTube channel. You'll find my links there. Jump on my Facebook, send me a message. On my Facebook, you can send me a message, my email, and I'll be sure to answer you. Just just bear with me on response times as uh, those questions get asked a lot, very very often nowadays. Ladies and gentlemen, James Rooster Bowen here with Justin Martin and James Joy Cobb of Railroad Talk, and we are guy. We will catch you down the road and the rails.